Hi, friends. Thank you for joining us again. This is uh, Sunil Chandy, and this is Food for Thought. This is a ministry out of Christ Episcopal Church in Westerly, Rhode Island, and we thank you for being with us. And today we have a pre-recorded session, but it's uh, it's going to be a, a wonderful session because it's uh, it's uh, we're going to have a, a wonderful guest uh, guest who will uh, who I think will give us so much insight, especially as we deal with this new year, the new possibilities around this year, the and, and the challenges that we face. And so uh, if you are here with us, uh, I hope that you will connect with us. Tell us that you uh, what you think about today's programming and also what you think about uh, life in general. Tell us, ask us any questions that you might have, anything that might be uh, top of mind so that we might be able to engage and connect with one another as we walk together. Um, and I'm going to just go straight into the bio for our our guest. He's uh, amazing, and and, and I I follow him on Facebook, and and I've followed his uh, his work, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, today we're going to be having uh, the Right Reverend Craig Loya, who was consecrated the tenth Bishop of the Episcopal Church in Minnesota, and uh, he is he's got some really wonderful work that he is doing. Bishop uh, Loya served as a Dean of Trinity Cathedral in Omaha, Nebraska from 2013 to 2020, and was a canon to the ordinary at a very young age in the Episcopal Church and Episcopal Diocese of Kansas from 2009 to 2013. And he had an interesting story about how he became, uh, I think, one of the youngest canon to the ordinaries that I've ever met. Um, he received his uh, Master's of Divinity from Yale uh, University and a Diploma in Anglican Studies from Berkeley Divinity School at Yale in 2002. I think he also might have gotten an, uh, another doctorate degree from there, but I'm, I'm not sure. I'd, we'd have to ask him. Um, and so, Ben, please bring uh, Bishop Loya on. Hi, Bishop. How are you? It's great to see you. Oh, it's so great to see you. I, I mean, I just love seeing your smiling face. It's beautiful. Yeah, thank um, you. And I, I and again, I, I enjoy uh, watching um, you on on Facebook. I, I follow you on Facebook, and I have uh, and I see these lovely pictures. And this and during this break, I think you were you were going to read uh, Star. You read had a Star Wars marathon, and um, I did. I I spent the Christmas break with doing a Star Wars marathon with my six-year-old son <laughs> and doing a Lord of the Rings extended edition film marathon on my own. So I feel <laughs> like I was immersed in this kind of wonderful mix of mythological worlds for a whole week. I said on Facebook the other night that it feels like I've been off for many months having been immersed in those worlds. It was a great way to do a restorative week away. Oh my God, I can imagine. Uh, so you're not a Trekkie or anything. Are you a Trekkie? I am a Trekkie. I'm a Trekkie. All of Harry Potter, <laughs> Star Trek, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings. Uh, I'm a big fan of all of it. So, uh, yeah. and my whole family is, we love all of it. I, I do too. I think it's great. And it, uh, it it's part of like the contemporary experience of how to deal with uh, issues, uh, larger issues sometimes in, in, a, in a way that makes it um, that lessons are being taught to us. See, I mean, the the Harry Potter series. I I love that. I use that in my sermons all the time. And uh, you know, and and some of the the episodes on Star Trek where you know where we think about emotion and 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 logic and how do we figure out how to live in this world. These are these are 
um, you know, sometimes answered by these science fiction writers. Yeah, uh, I, I totally agree. I, I feel like both Harry Potter and the Lord of the Rings series in particular are just thick with Christian imagery and Christian references. And I know a number of people who read the Lord of the Rings trilogy every year almost as a spiritual discipline. You know, yeah. it's just another way of encountering uh, the good news of Jesus in mythological form. Yeah, I, I think that's, so, I mean, I, that's one of the things I appreciate about you, uh, Bishop Craig, is, is that you're, you know, um, you're engaging in theology with what you know and what people are knowing. I mean, in terms of what their daily experience is. I mean, uh, reading novels, you know, where can we connect our uh, understanding of Christ and Christ's incarnation and and the call of discipleship through even what we read day to day? How is it that, I mean, uh, is this something that, uh, how do you come to this point of view? Like, I mean, this some, some bishops I know, you just say, you know, maybe we should not deal with this, you know, just deal with only what uh, the Bible, what uh, what we have. How do you come, how did you get to this place where, how did you develop your spiritual journey so that you'd have this type of thinking? Yeah, well, maybe uh, there, I'd say a couple of things about that. I, I think, you know, number one, people will often ask me, are you more like your dad or more like your mom growing up? And, and the joke I make is that I'm sort of more like the TV. You know, I grew up, my generation, I watched a lot of television growing up. And so early on, popular culture shaped so much of my perception of the world and so much of my um, experience of the world. So that's kind of a, a, a joking way to put it. Yeah. A little more seriously is I think the mystery of the incarnation says to us that God is always coming to us, meeting us on our own terms, meeting us in the real world that we live in which means in our day-to-day -day experiences, in our relationships, in literature, in art, in film, in all of the rest of it. Uh, in addition to that, I think if God is really who we say God is, that means God is active with or without the church, in or outside of the church. And I think part of what makes the life of following Jesus so rich and meaningful is when we learn how to perceive what God is up to in our day-to-day -day experiences. You know, for me, if we are not meeting God in the real life that we have to live every day, in the in the real moments of our lives, then, then what is the point <laughs> of doing any of this, right? If we can't meet God, if the gospel doesn't make a difference to how we actually show up every day, then, then why bother? And so for me, encountering God in novels and film in art um, has always been uh, a central part of my own spirituality. I, I love that answer. And, and, and actually, it leads me to the next question. I mean, so the we're in the midst of a great challenge in terms of our global community and our national community and, and our Episcopal community, the, the, the challenge of how to deal with the pandemic and all of the, the things that are associated with this. And some people you know, um, look at this particular time of challenge as uh, almost as if to uh, to run away from it and to to kind of hide. But you're what I'm sensing from you is that you're saying that even in this challenge, God is acting, right? Yeah, I I think that's exactly right. You know, my sense is that anybody who's been paying attention 
in the Episcopal Church and other you know, Christian denominations for the last several decades uh, will know that we were under a period of massive transformation. And I believe in this season, the Holy Spirit is reshaping the church to be more vital and more faithful going forward. And while the pandemic has been extraordinarily painful and hard for everyone, and we've all had to endure um, really painful losses, at the same time, I think the pandemic has simply turned up the temperature on the transformation that was already happening in the church. And as hard and painful as these last few years have been, I've never been more hopeful that we will come out on the other side of this being more vital and more faithful to the gospel. Yeah, no, I, I see that. Um, you know, what you were just saying reminds me of um, this uh, past Sunday's, uh, actually, not, uh, yeah, uh, I think it was past Sunday, where it's the encounter of uh, Joseph with uh, the angels, right? With the visions that Joseph has. Uh, as he tries to protect the baby Jesus and his family, right? And it's interesting in this last, uh, uh, in the gospel, I, I kind of remembered that in that there's this one point where, where, where God seems to be almost reacting to the decisions of humans, you know, where, you know, Herod is, is about to, uh, you know, uh, God gives a vision to the wise men. They go off. They say, okay, we can't go back to Herod because Herod's going to kill us. Then, uh, then Herod reacts. And then all of a sudden, immediately in the Gospel of Luke, uh, there's, the, there's this sense that uh, Joseph gets another vision. Herod has just changed his mind. He's moved this way. I want you to move towards Egypt. You know, and what that kind of helped me to kind of understand is that or help me see one aspect that maybe it isn't that God creates these situations for us, but God reacts, helps us to react to these situations. So some people may say, well, why did God give us the pandemic? Well, maybe it's that we have life and God gives us choices in those lives and reacts to our choices. What do you think about that, Bishop? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's well said, Sunil. Um, in my experience, Things like a pandemic, all of these difficult, challenging, painful things that we all have to experience in our lives. In my experience, it's not so much that God causes those as that's part of the consequence of what it means to live in a fallen world. The creation is uh, broken in many ways and, and waits for the fullness of God's redemption. So God doesn't send us the hard, painful, challenging things, doesn't create those situations. But what we can be certain about is that God is deeply present in those situations. Uh, a friend of mine uh, says, and I think this is so wonderful, I never forget the way she says this, that Jesus always goes to where the pain is. In, in, in his life and ministry, Jesus was always going to the people and the places and the situations where the pain was greatest. And I think in my own life, I found that to be true, that I often encounter Jesus most fully and most powerfully in those moments where I'm most conscious of my own limitations and, and my own brokenness. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, Bishop Craig. Um, so that, that leads to my next question. I mean, you're the Diocese of Minnesota. 
I mean, it's a, it's a diocese, it's a state that has experienced a great deal of pain and challenge. You know, I mean, the, the George Floyd crisis came out of, uh, out of that. So, I mean, and you became a bishop, and now how is it that, um, so where, how is, where are you being led? How is the diocese being led to deal with the pain in, 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 in the state and in the diocese? Yeah, I'll admit, you know, I was consecrated Bishop of Minnesota about exactly a week after George Floyd was murdered by police in the streets of Minneapolis. And I remember in the week between the killing of George Floyd and when I was consecrated Bishop, I remember thinking to myself in that moment that this work of racial justice and healing if I'm going to be faithful to this ministry, will need to be a central part of how I am a bishop. And I also remember thinking, I am not prepared for that. I have not done my own work around the way systemic racism uh, operates in our church and in our society and in my own heart and body. And since that time, you know, what I have learned is that the work of racial justice and healing is something that is, on the one hand, central to our discipleship. So in the church, racial justice and healing is not a side issue that we engage. It's not something additional that we take on. It's a core part of what it means to follow Jesus. And the other thing that I've learned is that it never ends. It's a The work of racial justice and healing is about the constant conversion that we're all called to in our own hearts, and by extension in the systems that we inhabit and lead. And it's also about um, the ongoing way that we uh, make room in the center for those who we have pushed to the margins. And, and it's about all of us opening ourselves up to the healing and transformation that can only be done by the Holy Spirit. So uh, in a sense, you're, you're, you're opening, I mean, I love even, even admitting that that uh, that uh, that that even as a bishop, with all of your training and all of your the experiences in your work as canon to the ordinary, and, and all of your work within the church and and outside the church and your education, that you're still not necessarily prepared. That's a that's a beautiful, wonderful state of statement. I think for me, uh, from my point of view, because it says that you know. It's it's a it's a statement of humility that that recognizes that you need God to help it help us, you know. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I what I've what I've come to learn is over time is that actually being consecrated bishop in a moment where I was most acutely aware of my own limitations was probably the right spiritual posture to be in when I was ordained for this ministry, right? Because like all of us, I often think I'm pretty smart and think my ideas are pretty good and think I've got the ability to fix things. And the problem is if I get too confident in my own abilities to fix things and to figure things out and to lead things, I can kind of forget the fact that, that really the ministries that we are called to are about God and God's faithfulness not about us and our own insights or abilities or whatever. And so uh, oftentimes painful experiences can remind us that um, God is actually God, not me. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, um, you know, 
if we don't have the answers, right, then maybe what we have are the questions or the uh, the articulation of the challenges uh, that 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 we need help in, and and our prayers are then uh, sent up to God to help us with those with those challenges. What are the challenges that are facing Minnesota that that you think that uh, that God will help you answer? Yeah, I think the challenges that we have in the diocese of Minnesota are really not so different than the challenges that the whole Episcopal Church is facing and really not so different than um, the challenges that Christianity in the Western world are facing in this moment. Um, you know, we in the United States, certainly, we previously enjoyed a culture that supported the practice of Christianity. You know, it was it was culturally and socially expected that people were Christians as a normative way of being citizens of the United States. And of course that world is long gone. And going forward, I think um, we have to find new ways of what it means to cultivate faith. We have to find new ways of what it means to introduce people to the gospel of Jesus. I heard another Bishop in the Anglican communion say recently, and it's really stayed with me. He said, if we make disciples, there will always be a church. Yeah. But if we build the church, there will not always be disciples. So the Episcopal Church in Minnesota, like the Episcopal Church everywhere, has been in a state of institutional decline for 50 years or more. And that's that's true everywhere. And what I've seen in my ministry, and honestly, what I've probably been really guilty of in my ministry, is we tend to continue to try to solve the problem of our decline with institutional solutions. So we've tried over and over to build the church and we have neglected our core business of making disciples for Jesus. So I really believe in this moment, it's what we're trying to center and focus on in the diocese of Minnesota is this is a time when for a season, we stop trying to preserve the institution in the form that we've inherited and we refocus on what it means to practice the way of Jesus as a whole way of living our lives. So uh, I, I love that. It's beautiful. How are you doing that in terms of like an activity, or is there is there or is it a mindset that you're uh, that you you proclaim? It's a little bit of both, I think. I mean, in some ways, it is a mindset, and and you know, everyone, all of us in the world, and this is particularly true, I think, for clergy and lay leaders in the church. The pandemic has really been exhausting for for everyone. We're all tired from living this way for two years. And the good news for me in this moment, in terms of how we're approaching this in the diocese of Minnesota, is we're trying to invite people to actually let some things go and to lay some things down. I think in this moment in the life of our church, we are not being invited to do more yeah. or to increase our activity. We're actually inv being invited into a season of pruning, of kind of, of, of cutting back things that are not essential to following the way of Jesus. I mean, in my mind, we're in a very similar situation to where the Christian movement was in the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, uh, you had a, a group of a small group of people whose lives had been changed by an encounter with the risen Jesus. And 
they were following the way as a practice and the institutional structures, which are critically important, they emerged and grew over time to support the practice. And so in this moment, I think we're really being invited to simply return to the basics, to the simple practices of what it means to pray together in a way that tethers our lives to the living God, to share our lives deeply with one another, and to form community with the poor and marginalized. Mm. So in the diocese, we've developed a series, a set of what we call vitality commitments. These are trying to articulate those basic things that it means to be a community of disciples in order for our congregations to be able to set some things down and to not do more things in this moment, but to do less things that are more central to the way of following Jesus. I love this. And 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 so uh, hopefully we'll be able to watch it as, as your diocese engages it, engages in this work. And then hopefully even you'll be able to proclaim it to the rest of the, of the church. You know? Yeah, I mean, one of the great things that we talk about in the diocese here is that um, what we're doing is really not new, right? And I think the church in this moment is being invited to do a new old thing, you know, <laughs> to, to return to um, what, this, what the essential practices of following Jesus are as, as a whole way of life. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, when we were talking, uh, I, in my mind, uh, scripture just in my mind to move toward uh, when Jesus reminds his disciples to, to be, to, to have new wine for new wineskins. You know, you don't put new wine into old wineskins. So, but in actuality, it's kind of just re in, re uh, taking back what, what Jesus has taught, taught us 2000 years ago and, and just putting it into our context right now, it seems like. Right. In, in my experience, the gospel is simple, but it's not easy. Yeah, it, it it it's not easy in the sense that to follow Jesus is an is an all or nothing commitment. It it demands that we give our whole lives to it. So it's it's hard in that sense that it asks a lot of us. But conceptually, it's not complicated. Yeah, it's it's about all the things I said. It's about praying. It's about building real relationships with one another, sharing our lives deeply. And it's about always going to where the pain is, forming community with those who have been pushed to the margins and excluded in the world. Amen. Bishop, uh, I, you know, our time is coming to a close and you're very busy and I know you're engaged with many different things and I thank you for this, but I wanted to ask you, what do you do for fun other than uh, watch Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> That's a big part of it. Um, you know, the other part of it is that I um, I love all of the outdoor things. Minnesota is a stunningly beautiful place geographically. Yes. And, and we get really serious winters in Minnesota. And one of my favorite things about living here is that does not deter us from being outdoors. Um, there are a million different ways to be outdoors and enjoy the beauty of God's creation. So the way I often talk about it is anything I can paddle, pedal, or climb, I'm, I'm up for. So anything outdoors. And the other thing that I do for fun is I love fishing. I'm a, I'm a huge fisher and have done that for a long time. And that's a really central part of my um the way that I renew and sustain myself and, and really encounter God is when I'm out on the boat or on the dock or wherever it is, um, simply simply being with the world that God made. So let me ask you, in, in the cold though, is it, can you still go out on, on 
Yeah. Oh yeah, we've got we've got a whole thing. Ice fishing is a big thing. Yeah, and and um, that's new to me. I ice fishing was new when I moved to Minnesota, but I'm uh -huh. I'm all in for ice fishing too. It's great. So it's you great. have a little tent and everything, and then a I don't hole. I don't have a tent yet. I've I've just done it kind of out in the open, but that's uh, that's coming for me. You know, people <laughs> people have these elaborate shelters, you know, that are actually not that cold. I mean, they're fairly warm inside, and people sleep out there and all of that. So it's a it's a it's a big way that Minnesotans survive the winter because if you didn't do that in Minnesota. You'd have to be in your house for six or seven months of the year. You know, oh nobody God, wants yeah. to do that. So yeah. Well, when you do that next time, when you do ice fishing, take some pictures, put it on Facebook. I'd love to see it. <laughs> I will do that. I'll do that. Yeah. Bishop Craig, thank you so much. It's just joy speaking with you. And I'm looking forward to continuing to follow what you're doing in the Diocese of Minnesota. I think uh, you've got a great diocese and good people, and uh, and uh, they have a good leader in you. God bless you. Great. Thank you for your ministry, Sunil. It's great to be with you. All right. God bless you. All right. Folks, uh, another great bishop uh, with some great wisdom uh, that he is passing on to us. And and so we give thanks to God that uh, God has raised uh, leadership um, like Bishop Craig Loya. And um, and we will pray for the Diocese of Minnesota. And I'm looking forward to seeing those ice fishing pictures. I think that would be really lovely. But as is our tradition, uh, our time is coming to an end and for this program. And so we will end with our prayer that uh, was crafted by Bishop Thomas Brown of Maine. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Jesus Christ, you traveled through towns and villages, curing every disease and illness. At your command, the sick were made well. Come to our aid now in the midst of the global spread of the coronavirus. Heal those who are sick with the virus. May they regain their strength and health through quality medical care. Heal us from our fear, which prevents nations from working together and neighbors from helping one another. Be present with those in authority who are making hard decisions. Support the medical professionals, emergency responders, counselors, and caregivers. We ask this all in your name. Amen. Join with me in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Friends, go in peace to love and serve God. Spread the light of Christ to the world around you, especially in this new year. The world needs it right now. Thanks for watching. Did you know that you can join Christ Church from anywhere in the world? If you're feeling connected to what we're doing, email us today at communicate at Christchurchwesterly.org.